you want to stay in a cabin in the woods. Have you never seen a horror movie? Joanne asked me, her mouth curving upward into a playful smile. It's not a cabin. It's a caravan. One of those static homes. Looks really cozy. I told her. She may have been making jokes, but I was disappointed that she hadn't seemed as excited as I was. Our relationship was still in its infancy, just three wonderful months in. We were enjoying the excitement of spending time with each other, most of which was spent exploring one another's bodies, and for the first time ever I felt as though this relationship could be the one. I just thought, I continued, that it would be more relaxing than a hotel in the city. More secluded, she replied. If I didn't know any better, I think you were just trying to ravish my body in the woods all weekend. Well, I said, grinning. She knew what I planned for us to get up to, and the look in her eyes suggested she was more than happy with that. So, what time Friday? She asked. We can check in from 4pm, so I can pick you up at 3. Anything you want me to bring? Food? Something to do? The owners are putting a welcome pack in the caravan, so there'll be tea, milk, eggs, and so on. Thought we'd take a few board games and maybe bring a book, I suggested. Okay, I'll find a few things to bring. And some alcohol. Of course, I declared. Booze and board games sound great. Joanne kissed me goodbye and left to go home and pack. I reminded her she wouldn't need much, and it was two days until we left but she insisted upon being organized. I knew I'd put off my own packing until an hour before leaving, but there really wasn't going to be much to take. I pulled up outside of Joanne's apartment block just before 3 p.m. on the Friday, as planned. My small suitcase was in the boot of my battered old Ford Fiesta and contained toiletries, change of clothes, bottle of rum, some cola to mix it with, my Kindle, a Monopoly set and a Scrabble set. I honestly couldn't think of anything else to bring aside from the essentials like keys, wallet, phone, phone charger. I pressed the buzzer beneath the number 13 and was granted access without Joanne bothering to ask who was there. You ready? I asked, excited to be going away for a few days. I think so, she stated, taking a final glance around the living room. It's just this bag, she said, nodding towards a small holdall on the floor. And that shopping bag. I peered inside the shopping bag, spotting some snacks, a bottle of gin, plenty of tonic water. I picked up both her bags while she locked up, and we placed them in the boot of the car alongside my own case, before heading out into the country roads. It's a lovely day, she said, gazing out of the window. She was right. It had stayed warm for what felt like months now, even as we hurtled through October. How far is this place? About an hour, I told her, glancing at the sat-nav. Maybe a bit less if the traffic isn't so bad. You say it's just one caravan, not like a, a park or something. Just the one that I know of, I confirmed. So, do we go to the owner's place for the keys? She inquired. They have a lockbox on the side of the caravan, apparently. There's a security code that came on an email when I booked it so we can just let ourselves in. Sounds perfect, Joanne said, smiling at me. The country roads were virtually empty, and I would have managed to knock almost ten minutes off the estimated journey time 
if we'd been able to find the place more easily. The postcode which had been provided simply led to an unnamed road. More of a track than a road, in fact, and without any signpost to indicate the turning, we missed it. I continued along the road until I reached a roundabout, headed back in the direction the sat-nav was indicating, taking it more slowly. On our left were three turnings, only a few meters apart, so we took a guess and turned into the middle one. There! Joanne squealed, startling me a little. I stopped the car, unsure what she had seen, looked across her. There's a sign, but it's not much use down there. She was right. A small wooden board with spray-painted lettering declaring, Rural retreat, lie propped against the small bush, with an arrow suggesting we follow the trail. My old fiesta didn't seem like navigating the huge holes in the ground, and I heard the underside of the car scrape against the earth on more than one occasion. The trail seemed to go on for miles, but we eventually pulled into a clearing, where a much larger expected caravan stood proudly. From the quality of the signage, I'd begun to worry that the caravan would be rather decrepit, but it looked spotless on the outside. I switched off the engine, glad to be able to stretch my legs as I climbed out and stood on the grass. Peaceful would have been an understatement. It was a sound of a few birds, but we were far enough away from the road to not hear any traffic, and it was evident that no other people were anywhere nearby. It's lovely, Joanne said, happily looking around at the trees which almost completely surrounded the caravan. I agreed, checking my email for the code to use in order to retrieve the keys. The lockbox was attached beside the door to the caravan, and I pulled back the cover to expose the keypad. I input the four-digit code and turned the latch, letting out a sigh of relief that it had opened without any difficulty. I unlocked the door to our weekend residence and held it open for Joanne to enter first. I wanted to see what she made of the place and the squeal of delight told me I had chosen well. The caravan only had one bedroom, as it was intended as a romantic getaway, rather than for family breaks. This allowed for more living space, and the lounge area was well equipped. Alongside a television, there was a DVD player, the stack of films to choose from. These were mostly romantic comedies, but we spotted a few classic horror movies in the pile as well. There was a huge corner sofa, with more than enough space for us to sprawl out across, and a small but practical kitchenette. I was bursting for the toilet when we arrived, so made my way there and excited to see a rather deluxe-looking shower. Easily big enough for two, I thought, making plans in my head for later that night. Once we had unpacked, Joanne cracked open the gin she had bought, filled two highball glasses. We slumped on the sofa, enjoying the quiet, feeling perfectly happy. It was looking as if though it would be a wonderful weekend. So what do you want to do first? Or is that a silly question? Joanne asked. I'm up for anything, I told her, my eyes darting from a face to a cleavage and back up again. The shower looks big enough for two. Joanne stood up, making her way around the caravan and closing all the blinds. There isn't anyone about, I reminded her. I know, but I don't like the thought of some pervy dog walker catching sight of us. Set up one of the games, and I'll be back in a minute. As I set up the Monopoly board, 
My mind wandered onto Joanne returning from the bedroom in some slinky nightdress. But that wasn't the case. When she did return, I can honestly say my heart skipped as I looked her up and down, now scantily clad in an erotic maid's outfit. Oh my, is all I could manage to say. Something wrong? She asked, smirking at my reaction. Definitely nothing wrong. I replied, trying to finish setting out the game, grinning like a schoolboy. We never did finish the board game. Almost two hours into it, and a half a bottle of gin later, our lust for one another took over and we ended up making love on the sofa. It was barely 7pm, so too early for sleep, and I suggested we watch a movie. I'll get sleepy if we watch TV, Joanne said. I've got my tarot cards, if you fancy a reading. She had mentioned owning tarot cards not long after we met, but my cynicism and lack of real interest had meant she had never really tried to actually get them out in front of me. I could see, however, that she was keen to show me. I agreed to let her perform a reading, told myself not to take the piss too much. Joanne disappeared to the bedroom to retrieve the cards. We made a space on the sofa between us for her to lay them out. I must admit... I was quite drunk by this point, as well as physically exhausted from the rather frantic lovemaking, so I wasn't paying all that much attention to what I was being told. I tried my best to sound interested, but each card came with some generalized meaning, which could be applied to anything. It was only as Joanne turned over the final card, I spotted a worried look on her face. What is it? I asked, trying to take her concern seriously. Nothing. She muttered. It doesn't matter. You look spooked. I pressed. What did that card mean? Well, you don't believe any of it, so just forget about it. She replied almost angrily. Hey, I know it's something you're into, so I'm trying to be involved. Am I about to die or something? It is the death card. The 13th Trump, I think it's called but it doesn't actually necessarily mean actual physical death. So what's it mean? I asked, trying to be patient. Well, it can mean death, either your own or someone close to you. But more likely it represents the end of something, she explained. Like what, losing my job? I asked. Maybe, or the end of a relationship. I could see a tear form in her eyes as she said this. There was no doubt she believed in the cards. You honestly have nothing to worry about there, I promise. I told her, as I took her hands in mine. I'm not going anywhere. Joanne gave me an unconvincing smile, before putting the cards away and making another drink. So, if you don't fancy a movie, should we try to finish Monopoly? Or did you bring something else? Promise not to laugh, she told me. I stayed silent. I brought a Ouija board, too. I couldn't help myself and let out a chuckle. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You said that staying out here in the countryside was like the plot from a bad horror film. You got freaked out after reading tarot cards. And now what? You want to speak to a ghost? She couldn't deny that I was making sense. I thought it'd add to the spooky atmosphere out here, 
And now that it's getting dark, you know, being frightened is an aphrodisiac, right? You in that outfit is an aphrodisiac, I told her, feeling ready to perform for her again. Do you actually think Ouija boards work? Probably not, she told me, and I was pleased with her answer. But it could be a laugh. Fine, I said, certain that things would happen, and it'd be a quick activity. On one condition, she cocked her head to the side, ran a hand across one breast, and whispered, Anything, we get into the shower afterward. I stated, trying to sound authoritative. We cleared away the Monopoly set and sat back around the small dining table. Joanne placed the Ouija board on the table, resting the planchette in the center. I sipped at my drink while she read through the rules, which seemed to be just a few paragraphs, to ensure the players used the correct phrases. It says to make sure electronic devices are switched off, or at least out of sight. My phone's in the bedroom, but there wasn't any signal when we got here, she told me. I turned mine off a while ago, not wanting any interruptions. I replied, what else does it say? Don't play anywhere spooky. But it's too late for that. Respect any spirits you encounter and be happy so as to give off positive energies. Apparently this reduces the chance of an encounter with a demon. Well, I'm pretty happy, so I'm sure we'll be just fine. Just friendly ghosts, yeah? She smiled, seeming to relax after her earlier upset with the tarot cards. So, how do we start? Place a finger gently on the planchette. She ordered, placing one of her own fingers beside mine, holding up the instruction sheet. She began to read from it. Are there any spirits here who would be willing to talk to us? There was silence. I'll ask again. Are there any spirits here who would like to communicate with us? Or we mean you no harm. Again, nothing. If truth be told, I felt a little foolish at that point, sat in silence in my boxers. I guess not, then. I mumbled. I could tell Joanne was a little disappointed, but I was relieved. My relief was to be short-lived. I pulled my hand away from the board, just as the planchette shot across the board, undoubtedly pointing to... Yes. We looked at each other wide-eyed. How did you do that? I asked Joanne, suddenly afraid that perhaps it hadn't been her. I didn't do anything. I haven't even moved my hand, she told me, her voice trembling with a mixture of fear and excitement. Her hand was still hovering over the center of the board. I doubted that she'd been able to move the planchette and get her hand back in place without me noticing. Yes? What? I questioned. Yes? There's a spirit here? I looked at Joanne as I asked this, but it was evident I was speaking to anyone or anything that was in the caravan with us. The planchette remained still, with fingers poised, as described in the instruction guide. We continued to bombard whatever entity we thought was communicating with us. Who are you? What's your name? How did you die? Nothing more happened. We began to doubt what we had seen, 
and the Ouija board was quickly discarded in favor of some sensual time in the shower. Our evening had culminated in us moving our carnal act from the shower to the bedroom, and once our desires had been satisfied, we had fallen asleep naked in each other's arms. The gin had all gone. We'd made a start on the rum as well. So it wasn't surprising that I woke up in need of the bathroom and a glass of water. I clambered out of bed, checking my watch to see that it was exactly 3 a.m. It was also much colder than I'd expected, and I shivered as I stood. Stepping into the hallway, I fumbled for the light switch, not entirely sure where it was located. When I found it, the light dazzled me, causing my eyes to close briefly. I took a couple of steps forward before trying to reopen them, and then I let out what could only be described as a shriek. Every cupboard, every drawer, every window were open. My initial thought was that we had been burgled, and was briefly retrieved to call that our phones, what little cash we had with us, had been safely left in the bedroom. Joanne must have been awoken by my cry, startled me when a voice whispered in my ear, asking what was wrong. Her eyes looked over my shoulder, into the living area of the caravan, widening as she took in the scenes of disturbance. Before she could speak, every open door, drawer, window slammed shut at the exact same time. This time we both screamed. Starting back into the bedroom, we threw on clothes, chucked any belongings into our backs. We hadn't spoken any further, but both knew we had to leave quickly. I pulled at the caravan door, finding it locked. Of course it's locked, I thought. Remembering that I had locked us in as soon as we had arrived, so as not to be disturbed by anyone. But I'm sure I left the key in the lock. The key was nowhere to be seen. I frantically dashed about the caravan in search of it, panic causing my entire body to shake. Without any luck, I was left only with the bathroom to check, but I knew this would be pointless. It was, as I glanced across the tile floor, that Joanne shouted. I found it! She called, her voice trembling. I approached her, standing as she was in the center of the living room, gazing at one of the windows. Her face had turned an unnatural shade of grey, and the shaking in her hands had not relented. I looked in the direction that she was staring in, and saw the impossible sight. The key was there, fixed against the window, but on the outside. I approached it, running my hand across the glass to be certain. It was definitely on the outside. Try as I might, the window which had recently been fully open now refused to move. There was no choice but to smash the window and make our escape. Taking a frying pan from the kitchenette, I swung as hard as I could, expecting the glass to shatter noisily. I may as well have been using a newspaper for all that good it did. We stood in silence for a moment, terrified sweating despite the cold hearts thumping in our chests. Then came a sound, almost imperceptible, but definitely there. A gentle squeak, as though something plastic were sliding across a smooth surface. 
Our heads turned towards the small table, shock setting in as we watched the planchette move across the board, slowly, deliberately. My gaze landed upon it as it moved from the letter E, so at first I thought it was spelling out the name Edie. We watched in pure horror as the planchette drifted from one letter to another, becoming faster and faster, repeating that one small word. Die. What have we done? I asked Joanne, now having no doubts about the power of the Ouija board. With determination, she leapt forward, grabbing the sheet of paper which detailed the instructions. There must be a way to stop it, she muttered, her eyes scanning through the rules. Shit, we didn't say goodbye. Goodbye to what? I asked. Nothing had happened. There was no one to say goodbye to. It doesn't matter. It says the most important part is to move the planchette to the goodbye point at the end, even if nothing appears to have happened. And this will end the connection with the spirit. Joanne reached for the planchette, attempting to stop it between the letters I and E, but screamed when her hand came in contact with the small plastic-coated piece. She instinctively put her fingers to her mouth, sucking on the burnt and blistered tips. The planchette continued its horrific movement, and I moved towards Joanne. I held her. Our faces buried in one another's shoulders, unwilling to stare at the board any longer. The sound of the planchette moving had reached an unbearable level, and then, seemingly out of nowhere, there was silence. Cautiously, I moved my hand to the board, found it to no longer be hot. I looked to the window, unable to see the key fixed to the outside of the glass. It must have fallen, I stated, the pounding in my chest refusing to slow as I feared we were trapped. We're not trapped, Joanne told me, pointing to the door. Sure enough, she was right. The key was now back where it should have been. That didn't just happen, right? I asked, suddenly doubting my own sanity. Joanne showed me her injured fingers as evidence. I don't want to stay here, she said. There was no disagreement from me. We loaded our things back into the car, minus the Ouija board which we left where it was, as no one had wanted to touch it. Replaced the key in the lockbox and headed down the track towards the main road. Neither of us spoke for almost half an hour. When Joanne broke the silence, he should have said goodbye. She told me, But I'm glad you didn't. My tired brain took a moment to realize she wasn't making sense. I should have said goodbye. And you're glad about what? Glad we went through that? I was almost angry at her. If you had said goodbye, I would have had to leave. But now, I'm free. I took my eyes from the road to look her way, finding her staring at me, grinning. Even through the darkness within the car, I could see something was wrong with her eyes. I had barely a moment to consider this before she had grabbed the wheel and unclipped my seatbelt. The car flew off the road at 60 miles per hour, the tiny Fiesta crumpling 
as it made contact with a brick wall. And my final memory was a feeling of weightlessness as I was launched through the windshield to my death. <laughs>